Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Talking City podcast here by the Manchester Evening News. I am your host today, Ash Barami, and I am pleased on this Tuesday, on this Wednesday morning to be joined by Stu Brennan. Hello, Bert. And Simon Baikowski. Hello. There's only one place to start, isn't there, Stu? And that is Vincent Company's absolute screamer, wasn't it, last night? Um, in terms of iconic moments, I mean, there's been plenty over the years with City. That goes straight up there, pretty much nearly, well, if not at the top, just, yeah. just under. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. I saw uh, Vicky Kloss, who's City's uh, communications director after the game, and I, our first thing I said was, you're going to have to invent a new word because legend doesn't really cover it anymore with, with any company. He's just, he's just done that kind of thing time and time again. I mean, he was already man of the match for me before he even stuck that one in the top corner because he, he I thought his defending was, was incredible. I thought he'd been absolutely brilliant. He was City's outstanding player. Uh, his passing was excellent as well. Uh, and then he stuck that one. And I think people forget a little bit that he, he did come to City as a midfielder. Mm. Um, and he took a lot of persuading to be a centre-back. I know, um, I remember in my probably the first 18 months I was doing the City job from 2009 onwards um, he, I got to speak a lot to Vinny because uh, he's, he's very you know he's, he's very affable and he's good with the media um, and time and time again he, he repeated it he, he said that he, he didn't particularly want to be a centre-back you know he, he felt he was a midfielder mm. but he'd been asked to do the job and he'd do it to the best of his ability and then I think after a while he suddenly realised actually I'm pretty good at this, uh, and he then his mindset changed, and he concentrated on rather than trying to be the best midfielder in the world, he decided he was going to try and be mm. the best centre back. So, was, was that Mark Hughes there at the time? Was wasn't Mark, it? Mark Hughes who, who, uh, who persuaded him to be? Yeah, I think Mark Hughes actually played him at centre back a couple of times, mm. but it was Mancini who who sort of came in and said, "No, you're a centre back, and that's that," mm. and played him there. Um, I might, I might be. My memory might be failing me a little mm. bit on that, but I'm pretty sure that is that is the case. Uh, but it was definite that company at first was not keen on being a centre back. He saw himself as a midfielder. Um, but when you see that, you kind of think that that was a, a goal that any midfielder would have been proud of. Yeah. Um, it was, it was just sensational. I mean, I was sitting next to Simon, and we. We both sort of did a big intake of breath. I mean, you're supposed to be neutral in the press box, and we were. But when something like that happens, you just, you know, you're, you're as shocked and amazed as everybody mm. else in, in the stadium. Uh, it, was, it was just an incredible moment. Mm. So, so I, we were, I mean, we were in the office last night and we were speechless. I mean, what was, what was the overall reaction from the press box last night? Yeah, I mean, I... The, the whole ground I think the press box was similar to the ground not as many celebrations but like Stu was saying you know you you are just gobsmacked sometimes and I think the when Sterling scored the winner that was disallowed against Tottenham I think that was actually celebrated more around the ground because everyone was sort of you know really going wild and enjoying that but when company hit it it was just like disbelief more than joy initially. It took like two seconds to realise what actually happened. Yeah, I was like, yeah. who was that? And especially because <laughs> the ball like bounced straight out of the net and you're sort of like, did did, did it go in? Did that just <laughs> happen? Like, And and because the, the crowd had been getting so nervous and you, you only had to look at Guardiola to watch, he was basically like itching himself to death, trying to, trying to sort of 
get some kind of calm and time was ticking on and Sane had been brought on and Pep was spending half his time sort of shouting at Sane and he was scrambling around with the ball boys yeah, ball yeah yeah shouting at Zinchenko and you just felt is this slipping away and then that happened it, it was unbelievable unbelievable what Sai touched on there makes made it even more incredible in that there was this build up of tension right through the game you could feel everybody getting more and more tense it was almost like the place was icing over there's this big yeah. sheet of ice just descending on the Etihad and then all of a sudden there's like this it was like Thor had just thrown his hammer and smashed <laughs> it you know and the thing just shattered into a million pieces and the place went absolutely balmy you know we have the tunnel club in front of us and they're usually quite restrained you know a lot of them uh, are businessmen who are entertaining clients and they, they don't you know they, they might not even be City fans some of them um, but the, 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 the tunnel club just went up you know and the whole place just went nuts yeah um and it was it was one it was one of those feelings in the press box where it was like a scene out of a movie wasn't it like you just wouldn't make you, you couldn't have like guessed like something that would have happened but but as well like it was so uncity it was so like unlike anything we see from this guardiola team because it's all about you know wearing the opposition down and scoring beautiful goals and that was the frustration that was growing throughout the game i mean Sterling's taken the mick out of Walker for his shot that landed in the second tier but when Sane came on and you think right they'll stretch the defence and they didn't like Gundogan had a shot from outside the box that went over Aguero blasted one over and you're like this is not City and that's when you start thinking it's not going to be their night so see company stride forward and look to take a shot on no one no one in that stadium could have predicted it would have gone there it wasn't mm. even a centre-back shot, though, was it? I mean, no. you, you see centre-backs score those, but they just smash him and hope. Yeah. He, he, he cut it with the outside. Oh, really and the technique. And bent it with the outside. He's, you know, you're in sort of Perlo and uh, yeah. that kind of territory when you when you look at that kind of... I mean, Roberto Carlos, that one, he scored that. Yeah. I mean, it, wasn't, it didn't quite curve that much. I might be getting carried away there, but, but it was... But he could have hit it best. better. No. No. Touch the bar as well on the way in. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I fancied Vinny for a, a while to score an important goal this season because he, he does it, doesn't he? You know, he did it in 2012. He, he scored the second goal against West Ham in the last game in 2014. Um, you know, he he does tend to come up with a goal every now and then. And I believe, I know his wife was telling him before the game, come on, you've not scored this season, you, you do a goal. <laughs> And you, you sort of back him, especially because he's so good and he's so determined in the air. Um, you kind of think, yeah, header. But I don't think anyone would have thought he was going to... If you'd have said, if you'd have put odds on it before the game, I think you'd be a, a multi-millionaire now. Mm. And, and that goal, if it had been scored at any level, would have probably done the rounds on Twitter or Soccer yeah. AM. Because it's like such a good... And especially I'll watch this centre-backs just smashed it in from 30 yards but to do it in that game when there's that much pressure around the title race huge it's uh, goal of the season yeah yeah why not I mean certainly it'll get every City fans goal that's for sure <laughs> um, uh, but they've, they've got they've got to go on and win it and you, you know it, it isn't over yet um, it's funny because I was I'm lucky enough to be in the tunnel at, at the end and all the players were coming back with their, with their families having walked around the pitch and there were huge beaming smiles everywhere staff were all high-fiving each other slapping each other on the back and hugging um, you know and the, the players were clearly happy and, and, and delighted with what had gone on 
And then all of a sudden, this this dark figure appeared down the tunnel with a face like thunder, just storming around, not getting involved in any of this and doing his media duties. And it was Pep Guardiola. It was almost as if it had bypassed him. He hadn't realised. Obviously, he celebrated at the end. You can yeah. see in the pictures. But by the time this this was going on, he was almost hang on a minute. We've got another game next week. This starts now. I'm not, you know, he, he was walking around. He was unhappy. He was a bit fractious uh, when he did the radio interview. He was talking about um, how the media don't want City to win the title and, and hinting that they don't get the respect that they deserve. So it, it was kind of a sobering moment because you, you do get caught up in it, even even if you're not a City fan. Uh, I mean, like I was standing with with three three radio people, none of them are City fans, but we were all bouncing and and sort of in a good mood because of what we just witnessed. Uh, and also, all, none of us want Liverpool to win the title, um, so we were sort of united by that. Um, and then. So there's this joyous mood and Pep was like a dark force moving through it. <laughs> Simply because he was he knows there's another game and in his head all 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 they've done is move another step closer. There's still another big important game to come and that, that's 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 what makes him what he is, you know. He's he's not taking anything for granted. He'll prepare exactly for this game as he has as he has every other one and he'll be just as nervous. And you can sense next Sunday he's gonna be like that. He's gonna be it's going to be the same. The longer the game goes on, the longer it takes City to score, the longer it takes Liverpool to score, the tension is going to rise and rise. Uh, it's going to be going to be quite a day, I think. Hope you, did you take any offence to Pep saying that? Maybe media one Liverpool yeah, well, in the league. I, I think certainly I, not us. I, well, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I, I nearly sang up and said, "Well, not the Manchester Evening News. <laughs> Neither the blue side nor the red side wants Liverpool to win, win the title." And uh, it was actually um, Don McGuinness from Talk Sport who, who asked him the question that brought that response. And Dominic's a red, but uh, he was flabbergasted to the extent that he had to stop and say, "Do you really think all the media want Liverpool to win?" And Pep said. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> which, which came as news to a lot of people. I mean, I, I know I know where Pep's coming from because there has been a certainly in national media. There's been a bit of a, a loving with Liverpool, and and it, it is a story. You know, Liverpool winning after thirty years is a big mm. story, and it also it sells papers, yeah. um, it sells TV subscriptions. It, uh, it's coming so, from a perspective of like they're the ones chasing, and I think yeah, that as well. I mean, you kind of always look yeah. at the people who are chasing and be like, oh. Well, the team was going to slip. But also, I, I'm not sure because sort of you've got the history, both the history of Liverpool as a club and also the history that they haven't won it for 29 years. But I just think there have been a few myths bought into and I think there's been the idea that City are this invincible unit and Liverpool have been the, the stragglers you know, that have been lucky to hold on to their coattails. Well, Liverpool are the ones that have only lost one game this season and that was to City and that was a game that could have gone either way mm. Liverpool at no point of Liverpool looked as sort of broken as City did at Leicester or at Southampton even when they won mm. um, and put in a you know City when they lost to Newcastle and it seemed like it was all over Liverpool haven't had those lows so there has been a bit of narrative shaping but you can't deny that Liverpool going for the first title in 29 years is mm. is a bigger story than, than City it's crazy 
Sorry, it's crazy that you think as well. If you just if someone just showed you Liverpool's results from when City lost to Palace in December and said, This is what Liverpool can do from now to the end of the season, you would have put everything on Liverpool winning the league, wouldn't you? It just yeah. goes to show the the hard work and all the determination City have put into this title race. Yeah, I mean it Liverpool have been portrayed as like plucky underdogs. Yeah. It's from, and it's just nonsense. I mean, I had a, yesterday I had, a, I had a United fan actually on Twitter who, who was suggesting that um, Liverpool winning the title would be on a par with Leicester winning it. <laughs> Hold on a minute. I don't I don't remember Leicester breaking the world record transfer <laughs> spend, which Liverpool did last year. You know, it was uh, it's quite incredible. But you know, these these are fans, and they they sort of their views tend to get shaped by the media to a greater or lesser extent. And there has been that that idea that the Liverpool are the the plucky traditional football club. Um, uh, who've done everything the right way and, and City are this, this monstrous uh, plastic entity that's been created by oil money um, which doesn't really go beneath the surface of what's going on, it doesn't look at the the fact that history dictates that everybody needs money to win a title um, and everybody's had wealthy benefactors at some point if they've uh, if they've gone on to be a, a, a big club um, so all that kind of thing gets shoved to one side and it, you know and Liverpool in particular are great at engendering this this mythology around the club that is something special you know uh, the logo this means more um, and Liverpool fans buy into it big time I think the rest of us just think it's hilarious to be honest with you and it's it's like pseudo philosophizing and uh, and just sentimental guff um, but there are other people who buy into it as well you know there, there are other other fans of other clubs um, who, who think that Liverpool are, are, are a great traditional club and, and city were founded in 2008 you know um, so there's there's no there's no combat in ignorance at times. But you get sort of like framing points as well and we're kind of guilty of it in the media sometimes whereby you will get a stat and that stat will stay with you and there's no denying, I hope I'm not wrong on this, but City have spent more than anyone else since Guardiola came to the club and City broke the record for a single transfer window, you know, when Guardiola has been at the club. But Liverpool have spent more than anyone else in the last 18 months so like at what point do we start saying well we're not judge spending on how long do you have to judge spending on because it yeah is it judged on three years or 18 months or five years or two years or you know at some point in the not too distant future there may well be a point where Liverpool have outspent Manchester City and I'm not interested in net spend but simple Buying in players, Liverpool have spent more than than City, and that's that sort of narrative of yeah. Liverpool being the underdogs just won't wash. Yeah, and if you look at the squad, I mean, I wrote a piece the other day that, that said that uh, Liverpool have been incredibly lucky in terms of their injuries this term. I know they've had a few to Joe Gomez and people like that, but if, I don't think many people would argue that their four top players are the front three. Salah, Mane, Firmino, and then Virgil van Dijk. You know, if you're picking out four star players of Liverpool, it's those four, mm. and the rest are all very good players, but not at the same level as those four. Uh, they've missed two games between them the entire season, two two league games uh, through injury. Um, 
that, that's just astonishing. I mean, you, you could put it down to having a great medical staff and, and fitness and nutrition and all that. But City have got a great medical staff and fitness and nutrition, and they're you know, and they're star performing players. They've been without Kevin De Bruyne for most of the season. They've missed Vincent Company for most of the season. Um, they've had other injuries around that as well. Uh, Fernandinho's not not always been fit. Right, the, the, this sharp end of the season, they're missing Fernandinho. He's such an important player for them. Uh, and I made the point. Um, that Liverpool's biggest challenge is matching City when that look runs out. Um, I mean, people, without reading the article, presumed I was talking about look with decisions and all that, but I, I wasn't because I think those kind of things do even themselves out. But could Liverpool have done what they've done if they'd been out with, without Mane for a period of time or if they'd been out without Van, Van Dijk for a period of time? And I very much doubt it. I don't. City, City have got a squad to cope with it because they've assembled that squad. They they spent they spent well. Did you take any offence to Pep saying that maybe media want? Yeah, well, I, I, I think certainly I, not us. I, well, absolutely not. I, I, I nearly signed up and said, "Well, not the Manchester Evening News, neither the blue side nor the red side wants Liverpool to win the, win the title." And uh, it was actually um, Don McGuinness from Talksport who, who asked him the question that brought that response. I mean, Dominic's a red, but uh, he was flabbergasted to the extent that he had to stop and say. Do you really think all the media want Liverpool to win? And Pep said, "Yeah, definitely," <laughs> which, which came as news to a lot of people. I mean, I, I know I know where Pep's coming from because there has been a certainly in national media. There's been a bit of a, a loving with Liverpool, and and it, it is a story. You know, Liverpool winning after thirty years is a big story, and it also it sells papers, um, yeah. it sells TV subscriptions. Uh, it's so, coming from a perspective of like they're the ones chasing and I think yeah that as well I mean, you kind of always look yeah. at the people who are chasing and be like oh well the team was going to slip well also I, I'm not sure because sort of you've got the history both the history of Liverpool as a club and also the history that they haven't won it for 29 years but I just think there have been a few myths bought into and I think there's been the idea that City are this invincible unit and Liverpool have been the the stragglers, you know, that have been lucky to hold on to their coattails. Well, Liverpool are the ones that have only lost one game this season and that was to City and that was a game that could have gone either way. Liverpool, at no point of Liverpool looked as sort of broken as City did at Leicester or... Uh, Southampton even when they won mm. um, and put in a you know City when they lost at Newcastle and it seemed like it was all over Liverpool haven't had those lows so there has been a bit of narrative shaping but you can't deny that Liverpool going for the first title in 29 years is mm. is a bigger story than, than City it's crazy Sorry, it's crazy that you think as well. If you just if someone just showed you Liverpool's results from when City lost to Palace in December and said this is what Liverpool will do from now to the end of the season, you would have put everything on Liverpool winning the league, wouldn't you? It just yeah. goes to show the the hard work and all the determination City have put into this title race. Yeah, I mean, it, Liverpool have been portrayed as like plucky underdogs. Yeah, it's from, and it's just nonsense. I mean, I had a, yesterday I had a, I had a United fan actually on Twitter. Who, who was suggesting that um, Liverpool winning the title would be on a par with Leicester winning it? And you think, oh, hold on a minute, I don't, I don't remember Leicester breaking the world record transfer spend, which Liverpool did last year. You know, it was, uh, 
it's quite incredible. And, but you know, these are fans, and they, they sort of the views tend to get shaped by the media to a greater or lesser extent. And there has been that that idea that the Liverpool are the the plucky traditional football club. Um, uh, who've done everything the right way in a city of this this monstrous uh, plastic entity that's been created by oil money, um, which doesn't really go beneath the surface of what's going on. It doesn't look at the the fact that history dictates that everybody needs money to win a title, um, and everybody's had wealthy benefactors at some point if they've uh, if they've gone on to be a a, a big club. Um, so all that kind of thing gets shoved to one side, and it, you know, and Liverpool in particular are great at engendering this this mythology around the club that is something special. You know, uh, the logo this means more. Um, and Liverpool fans buy into it big time. I think the rest of us just think it's hilarious, to be honest with you, and it's. It's like pseudo philosophising and uh, and just sentimental guff, um, but there are other people who buy into it as well. You know, there, there are other other fans of other clubs um, who who think that Liverpool are are a, are a great traditional club and, and City were founded in two thousand and eight. You know, um, so there's there's no there's no combating ignorance at times. Mm. But you get sort of like framing points as well, and we're kind of guilty of it in the media sometimes whereby you will get a stat and that stat will stay with you and there's no denying I hope I'm not wrong on this but City have spent more than anyone else since Guardiola came to the club and City broke the record for a single transfer window you know when Guardiola has been at the club but Liverpool have spent more than anyone else in the last 18 months so like at what point do we start saying well we're not judge spending on how long do you have to judge spending on because it yeah. is it judged on three years or 18 months or five years or two years or you know at some point in the not too distant future there may well be a point where Liverpool have outspent Manchester City and I'm not interested in net spend but yeah, simple buying in players Liverpool spent more than than City and that's that sort of narrative of yeah. Liverpool being the underdogs just won't wash yeah and if you look at the squad I mean I wrote a piece the other day that, that said that uh Liverpool have been incredibly lucky in terms of their injuries this term. I know they've had a few to Joe Gomez and people like that, but if I don't think many people would argue that their four top players are the front three, Salah, Mane, Firmino, and then Virgil van Dijk. You know, if you're picking out four star players of Liverpool, it's those four, mm. and the rest are all very good players, but not at the same level as those four. Uh, they've missed two games between them the entire season, two two league games. Uh, through injury um, that, that's just astonishing I mean you, you could put it down to having a great medical staff and, and fitness and nutrition and all that but City have got a great medical staff and fitness and nutrition and their you know and their star performing players they've been without Kevin De Bruyne for most of the season they've missed Vincent Company for most of the season um, they've had other injuries around that as well uh, Fernandinho's not, not always been fit right at this sharp end of the season they're missing Fernandinho who's such an important player for them uh, and I made the point um, that Liverpool's biggest challenge 
is matching City when that luck runs out. Um, I mean, people, without reading the article, presumed I was talking about luck with decisions and all that, but I, I wasn't because I think those kind of things do even themselves out. But could Liverpool have done what they've done if they'd been out without Mane for a period of time or if they'd been out without Van, Van Dijk for a period of time? And I very much doubt it. I don't, City, City have got a squad to cope with it because they've assembled that squad they've, they've, spelled, they've spent well uh, they've still not got a left back another left back or one that's, that's fit at all um, and they've still not got a holding midfielder um, to back up Fernandinho um, but could Liverpool cope if they had a, a, bit, of, a bit of an injury problem and you, you mentioned those four Stu but then Andy Robertson Easily the best left back in the league. Trent Alexander Arnold, very, very good at right back. I think Alexander Arnold's missed a few games. I'm not sure Robertson has. Allison at the back, who they paid a lot of money for. Mm-hmm. You know, Van Dyke has been talked about as the best centre back in world football. Um, and you've got the best full backs in the league, and you've got one of the best goalkeepers in the league. So Liverpool are you know right up there mm-hmm. and I was listening to a discussion yesterday about City's defence and they say well not got a left back right back not always in form still not got a regular partner for Laporte City's defence needs work of 37 games City are tied with Liverpool as having the best defensive record and you're saying Liverpool have got three or four of the best back five yeah, I think they have the three, three of the back four in the PFA team of the year. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, I wouldn't, but many people have said that Alisson's better than mm. Edison. Yeah. And he's, I think he's one ahead of him in the clean sheets. No, they're both level. Are 20, they? 20 each, yeah. Right. 20 each, no. Yeah, but, you know, he's certainly up there with him. Um, so, Liverpool have got three or four of the best back five in the league. It's also worth noting as well that Alisson, I think, cost him, was it double that? Yeah, cost yeah, well, yeah. So. Yeah. When it comes to spending, yeah. you don't have to look far to see that Liverpool and even United who were first. Well, it was mad when City paid all that money for Edison. You know, this mm. uncapped Brazilian. Guardiola, don't know what he's doing. He's got rid of Joe Hart, brought in this madman from Barcelona, and now he's signed this unproven, untested guy that can't be very good because we don't watch the Portuguese league. Mm. And, uh, and then what was it before the end of the season he got a six year deal seven seven, seven, seven. Yeah. Yeah, longest longest deal in the club <laughs> history which uh, yeah it does it does pretty much indicate the way he's thought thought of yeah. I think Liverpool have done very well by following what City have done you know you see them now with with a ball playing keeper you see a lot of sort of young players coming through and signing long term contracts to the the club that's sort of what a successful Premier League club should be doing yeah yeah. I think we've got to give Liverpool the due here I mean yeah I think they've been absolutely brilliant this season you know outstanding uh, they're just unfortunate that they've run into a, a City team that's that's even better in my opinion um, you know it's, it's not really a reflection on Liverpool Uh and I feel sorry for the, the genuine fans because they've, they've got a lot of they've got a lot of uh, kind of cult members, if you like, who support Liverpool. But they've got a lot of genuine. I, th- I think most most of the scousers I've ever met who are Liverpool fans are just genuine, down to earth, 
proper supporters and you you, t- you feel sorry for them a little bit because you know they, they've got a great team uh, that probably that deserves to win the league title it's just it doesn't deserve to win this league title um, because they just happen to coincide with a with a, an incredible Manchester City team and, and they have pushed each other I don't think City would be on 95 if Liverpool weren't on 94 no absolutely no way no no I don't especially if you think back to that Newcastle game they were absolutely flat on the feet Guardiola was felt like he was at a wake when he was talking after the game um, and for them to have won 13 straight wins uh, I don't think there's any way they'd have done that if they hadn't been forced to do it I think, the there was a I think there was a turning point in that spell was there any moment or any anything that you think of that kind of something just switched well I don't know I mean Guardiola said after that said sort of a bit after that game that they had to sort of a bit of a bit of an inquest at Newcastle they were in the dressing room for a long time and he said they they all looked at themselves in the mirror and uh, but I just think it's this incredible squad with quality and character that's all pulled together collectively and that's the strength of City that you know the collective is always better than the sum of the parts and the sum of the parts is pretty good I, I, I think I take your point that you, looking back at previous seasons uh, when City won you, you can pinpoint a turning point you think yeah that's when that win or that goal that was when the run to, to winning the title really started but I don't think you can do that this season I think the turning point is happening in every game you know the, it, the turning point was was uh, Phil Foden scoring against Tottenham you know, so soon after that Champions League exit when everyone was flat uh, that, that turned things back onto the league but then you've got four days later you've got the Manchester derby and the turning point of that is Bernardo slipping one inside the near post then you've got another turning point against Leicester and Vincent Kompany. You, you know, he's yeah. and that again, that's credit to Liverpool because you can't have a turning point when the teams that are chasing just aren't demoralised by it. You know, normally you get a turning point because your team does something and the other team is just look at it and think, oh, we ain't going to win this, and they sprint away and you falter and stumble. Liverpool haven't done that. Liverpool have kept on and on and on, um, obviously with the help of. Um, a certain lines been up at Newcastle, of course. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, you know they, they've just been relentless in in keeping up with City. So I don't think it, I, there's a turning point in every game virtually, and there'll be another turning point on Sunday. You know, right up to the the very last game. I, I would say the um, the Stones clearance is is going to oh, go yes. down. You know, I, against Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that if that ball goes in, I think City with three. How many millimetres? Two defeats in the last three. It was 11 millimetres. <laughs> Two defeats in the last three and Liverpool having not lost a game and looking dangerous. I'm not sure City come back and win the game. But then, you know, it's great that these two rivals, they've gone toe-to-toe and there's such big moments in the two games they've played because if Mares scores that penalty at Anfield, do yeah. Liverpool go on and and have that belief that drives them through November and December that sees them take the lead in the league I don't know we, we can't say but two turning points within them two huge years. absolutely huge yeah but I mean one thing Stu we've got to go back to I mean after the game Pep was asked about Vincent Company's future 
where, where do you think where, where's the whole situation stand I mean does last night change anything or is it just is it still is it to do with his fitness or is it what's the what's the deal I don't, I don't think it'll change anything I think his performance overall will, will certainly work in his favour because he showed yet again that in a very difficult game you know a lot of people looked at the team sheet beforehand and thought Vardy against company that's a bit of a mismatch if you know if Leicester start playing balls over the top um, you know he's no match in a foot race but he's just such a canny defender I thought he defended so well uh, the goal won't make any difference whatsoever because that's just a one off he's never going to do that again you know he, that doesn't earn you a contract <laughs> um, but I, I genuinely think um, you know when Pep was asked about it and he basically said we'll sit down after the cup final and talk about it uh, Vinnie Company was asked about it and he said pretty much the same and yet people saw him in tears at the end and clapping the crowd and there's a fear then you think is this his final farewell does he, yeah. does he realise this might be his last his last game at the Etihad and I think genuinely he thinks it might be I, I think he doesn't really know where he stands and I, I, you know I don't know this because the club aren't really saying anything, uh, sources aren't really saying anything, companies not saying anything. But I genuinely think that they are. They are just sort of saying, "Look, let's just shelve this. We want to get this title won. Once we've won the title, we'll go and we'll sit down properly and thrash out what what we can and can't do, uh, and see whether it, it suits you. Uh, and, you know, it's something that will suit both parties." I suspect that the the club would want would definitely want to keep him in some capacity. Pep looks at things more practically. Um, can he afford to have a, a central defender who's another year older and who wasn't available for most of the game? Well, at least half the games in in this season. Um, he, he's building for the future. He's got Stones and Laporte there, who, who started the season as his main two. Um, He's got Sandler coming through, Eric Garcia coming through. Um, but surely that influence can't be replaced, can it? That no, that's exa- exactly that's it. Um, Emmerich Laporte said this after the game. Um, he's so important. He's important to us on the field, he's important to us off the field. Uh, and talks about how he's important in the development of the squad. He's got he's got a huge influence, you know. The the other players do look up to him. He's a you know he's he's in, he's a figure that they all respect um, so I I think that, that that alone should be worth keeping him on you know well, you, the thing is with Vincent Company, he could do, do almost anything he really could you know he, his wife was joking about it I heard her saying that the uh, you know he, he could he could be you never know he might want to go into politics and become world president but you wouldn't put past him yeah. <laughs> well he's, well he's, his dad's a mayor of uh Mayor, I don't think it's the mayor of Brussels, but he's the mayor of he's the region that he's from in Brussels. Mm. So, you know that that probably tells you. So it's obviously a genetic thing, but he, he's such an impressive character. Whenever whenever you speak to him, I remember having a discussion with him about journalism, and he was he was sort of concerned about the way sports journalism was going, and he knew more about it than I did. <laughs> you think you know what's going what's going on? You know, I'm supposed to be plugging you about football, you're plugging me about journalism, and he was just so clued up. You know, he, he's just he's so intelligent. Um, so he, he, you know the world's his oyster really once once he decides to quit football he could he could do almost anything he's, of course he, he's, he studied business while he's while he's been winning trophies at City as well so he's, he's got that string to his bow um, but I, I think City should should pull up pull out everything to keep him keep him 
on the playing side as long as is 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 possible, uh, and then to keep him on the other side of things, you know, I don't obviously I'm not saying like ambassadorial or anything like that. He's he's, he's way beyond that. Um, but you can imagine him being a good football director. You can you can imagine him imagine him doing just about anything. He, he whatever he decides he wants to do, he'll be a success at it once he's once he hangs his boots up. Yeah, and I mean history shows you've got defenders like Tony Adams, John Terry, even United had Roy Keane. I mean, it just shows that it's not easy to replace these players. Is it? Is it? Is it no, no, and um, I think as Stu has been saying, company can do anything he wants, mm-hmm. and City will take him at any point he decides to to come back to them. Um, I I just kind of think because he can do anything he wants if he can play football for a few more years I think that might be something that he chooses to do mm-hmm. and so you know City will love to keep him in the squad next season but if they love to keep him in the squad for his sort of leadership and his character and everything that he brings and only give him 10 games and someone else can offer him 30, 40 games then you could see why he might want to take that option because he knows he said he's never going to be not part of the city family um but you know it, it's funny because every time company starts a big game there's a certain section of people that go oh company's finished and he'll make a rash to oh see company's rubbish in big games and and he started so many big games this season and they've won everyone because and he's been immense in all of them mm. and uh, and it just shows that he is still a top level defender he's still got it in this elite league where we've seen two of the best teams in the competition's history um, and a very good Leicester team last night by the way um, he is just incredibly good um, and so for all the talk about his leadership rightly or and and so and so on um He's still a top level defender. I'd normally agree with you what you said about club offering <laughs> a club who could come along and offer him thirty to forty games a season. But I think that that company knows he can't play thirty to forty games a season. He's a dreamer though, isn't he? Like, he, he is, but I think he's a, he, he, yeah, I think he's a realist more than that, and I think he he knows his body, and I think he knows that uh, what what's happening with him at City. I, I get the feeling that he plays when he wants at City. I, I don't I don't mean that he's just sort of being uh, oh yeah I'll, I'll play that game, but I'll miss that one. I, th- I think he he's listening to his body, he's tuned in, and he's saying I can do this one or I can do these two, uh, but then. After them, he's saying, you know, he spends so long in ice baths after games and stuff like that. I think he knows that he cannot do it week in, week out the way he used to do. Uh, so, in a way, the arrangement at City is suiting him because he's he's still getting the games in, he's still getting big games in, uh, and he's still having a huge influence. Um, but I don't, I don't think even in his wildest dreams he believes that he could play thirty to forty games a season. Um, you know this has been going on too long you know he, he knows his body now he knows he knows his limitations and I, I think if somebody came along and said look you can play every game for us his answer would probably be <laughs> I probably can't you know <laughs> but it, it's a shame really because he you know imagine he's already a legend but imagine 
what it what he would have been without all the injuries. You know, if, if it had been yeah. if it'd been like Van Dyke's been this season playing every game, you kind of think would Van Dyke won player of the season. You know, he is a guy who's not not won won a player of the year award, but he's been immense. You know, you think about Premier League history. Oh yeah, immense. well, I Asher is saying it. He will go down as one of the best centre backs in yeah in history which is not bad for someone who came as a midfielder but it's like we say he can be whatever he wants to be because yeah. he's just got that right if I'm a centre back I'm going to be the best centre back I can play up front after last night <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't put it past him <laughs> come on podcast title sword already yeah yeah no, no I'm going to sit there like what kind of title is but <laughs> I think this one's in the bag but um, no, I mean just just to wrap it up. I mean Sunday, City up away at Brighton, Liverpool home to Wolves. Do we see any of them slipping up? Don't ask him. He's going on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> he thought City, he thought City had the title wrapped up six weeks ago and, and booked his holidays. No, no. I trip to Brighton. I I booked my holiday in December when City were um, seven or ten points behind. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how much faith he has in Pep Guardiola. Um, but I, you know, I did say at the start of the season that City'd win the league, so I am dining out on that. Um, I just think, you know, Leicester was a really tough game, and people had spoken about Jamie Vardy and Leicester in this really good form, and, and yeah, they were really good. But City are in better form, and they beat him. And City are in better form than Burnley and they beat him and they were in better form than United and they beat him and they were in better form than Tottenham and they beat him and Arsenal and Chelsea and everyone and you know can can you see him slipping up at Brighton no it might happen but you really can't see it so, so what you're saying basically is yeah City have already got it wrapped up so I'm going on holiday before no no, no and, you know it might be tense and we've seen they didn't score until after an hour against Burnley and then it was 70 minutes against Leicester so it, it might be really tense but you know if you're making an argument for oh City might not get the result they need against Brighton I would love to hear what you're making it on because it's not any of the last four months of football that's been played I, th- I think Burnley is, a, is a, a, a case in point now because Burnley didn't water the pits they left it dry yeah and it really upset City for a long time and they scrapped a win in the end yeah you can imagine Bur- Brighton but they won't say <laughs> they, they did with a goal that just they, just about scraped over the line so you know that that's the margins no be. but then also with Burnley it just scraped over the line City in those 15 minutes um, when the second half started were all over Burnley mm. absolutely all over and then they got the goal and they retreated and you know I've seen a lot about that only just over the line and you know if you think that City wouldn't have attacked for the rest of the half if they hadn't got that goal then I just Liverpool against Wolves is is a far t- is a far tougher game for Liverpool than it is against uh, maybe no Salah maybe is if Firmino suspended for tonight or was he injured I mean they yeah, could be out yeah yeah and you, you take it back to um, when Guardiola was at Barcelona with uh, Manuel Pellegrini at Real Madrid 2010 Ten, yeah and uh, and Barcelona won the league with 99 and Real Madrid got 96 I think Pellegrini got sacked for it but there were there was only one point in it going into the final day and then Barcelona won and Real Madrid you know realising they couldn't win the league ended up drawing somewhere so 
you could see something very similar happening again. No one wishes anyone being sacked after it, though. No, <laughs> no, I, I think Klopp will be in charge next season. But <laughs> I, I just... I, I, after another trophyless season. Anything can happen in football, but uh, I don't think Klopp will be so- sacked this summer and I don't think City will drop any points at Brighton. You know there's going to be something dramatic, like no. the QPR day No, but there isn't. 2012. Like, there's not been that much drama in the title race. Nothing, really? maybe it could be like, it could be similar to yesterday where it's 60 minutes blind and park the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Liverpool winning. It'll be tense. It'll probably be tense, but, yeah. you know, I just think City have, have done it. They've done it 13 times in a row against really good opposition and if you're going to say that they're, they're not going to do it against one of the worst teams in the division, then... I was just thinking from Sky's perspective. Well, they'll, they'll want to go with John <laughs> Yeah, they will, yeah. Yeah, but... I, I, I think you would be silly not to think that... City will get it done. Mm. Same sentiments. Raised Same. eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. But I, to be honest, I, I, everyone thought this way in 2012. The, you know, that City had, had beaten United. Then they'd gone up to Newcastle. They were pushing for a top six spot. Um, we're a good team. Uh, they'd gone up there and won 2-0, two, two Yaya Torre goals. And everyone sort of breathed a sigh of relief and said, QPR at home. Uh, you know, that's it's a gimme. You know, they, they, they're probably going, well, uh, they were possibly going down. Um, you know, it's cities uh, it's, it's, it's in the bag, but the Premier League never really works that way. You've got to fight for it every single time. Uh, obviously, if I, I had to put my house on it, I'd put my house <laughs> on City. And I, I do think that this current team is a different kettle of fish to the one that beat QPR. I, I think they were a really good team, but I think this one is so much more together. I think so much more um, determination about them, but so much more spirit and belief as well. I don't think that 2012 team believed entirely in themselves. Um, but I think this one does. I think this one's got a, a unity of purpose. It comes from winning it last year more than anything um, and, and comes from the manager. Um, so, yeah, I mean, City are massive favourites and rightly so. But until until the goals start going in, um, I won't be I won't be starting my match report. That's for sure. Mm. We'll see, Stu. Sir, thank you. And um, we'll probably have an end of season awards podcast edition. So, well, will we? how long how long will you be away for? Sir? Six months. Six months. Yeah, yeah. Be back in time for I'll Christmas. Back in time to see Klopp sacked. That's the, <laughs> that's the thinking. After he's picked up three points in his first Managing game. in Switzerland, like he said. Well, now we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, we'll, we've got Sunday, so I mean, we'll probably be back the Monday after, when we the Tuesday. Yeah, so. Nice to see you're organised, anyway. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll take it as, each day <laughs> as it comes. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe on. Aircast, iTunes or any relevant platform you listen to us on and we'll join you again next week when hopefully City wrap up the title at Brighton.